Welcome to Star Drifter, the science fiction patio book series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Today's story, All He Surveys, Volume 1, Chapter 24. Goda called out to the approaching military types in low speak and with a big grin. Thank goodness we got all turned around. What are you doing here? One of the four demanded when the roller came to a stop. You aren't supposed to leave the boat. You're on a military base and this section is restricted. They told us we could use the fresher, Chicharron chimed in. The fresher on the boat is backed up, so we called down and asked. Some guy on the line said okay. But then someone else in a uniform said no and pointed us away. We walked and walked. My back teeth are floating and I haven't seen one toilet. I nodded and made an affirming sound to act like I was part of this without them hearing my bad low speak. We stood there completely bald-faced, open, and without any suspicious movements of body or face. The four of them were armed and the one that had jumped out had put his hand on his sidearm but let it drop as the other men spoke. None of the soldiers seemed to be buying it, but we didn't present a threat and carried no weapons, so they unconsciously relaxed. Your boat is on the other side of the station. That's a long way to go. It's not that far. We've only been walking a few minutes, Goda argued easily. Honestly, brother, where's the fresher? Yeah, yeah. Chicharron and I put in lowly, like backup singers. I even glanced over my shoulder at the way we'd come in a frustrated manner, and then over their shoulders in the same way. That control panel was looking more and more like what we were after. You didn't come all this way to look for a toilet, one of the other guards put in tightly, doing his best bad cop routine. All four were out of the car now and had circled around us, each with their hands near enough to caress or draw their sidearms if they wanted. This was scary, but they didn't look quite ready to put us down. It takes six minutes to walk here if you're motivated, Goda threw in. And brother, I'm awful motivated right now. I nodded again and said, Tja, real quick and sort of garbled. I was hoping to avoid seeming silent or withdrawn without actually saying anything. When did you leave the boat? One of the other soldiers asked. I was posted to the dock and I didn't see you three at all. I didn't see you either, Chicharron replied, sounding annoyed now. So what is it? Fresher or no? Because I'm going to use the deck here otherwise. No, you're not, the first one commanded, then called to someone unseen. Are you getting all this? He stared at us a bit while receiving his instructions. Right be there in four. Then to us, the brig has a fresher, get in, and he gestured to the car. We complied, with me shaking my head and tisking in apparent frustration, while Goda muttered, you've got to be kidding. There was room for us all, this thing being designed to handle people and their luggage. 
The three of us, as well as two of the crewmen, climbed in the open back, the other two sat in front. The ease with which we were complying, combined with our confused, slightly annoyed responses, was beginning to throw them a bit. With a few minutes to study the men, I too was a bit thrown. They didn't look anything like I'd been expecting. When you hear the word assassin, you tend to have a particular image in your head. These guys were in military uniforms I didn't recognize, but they were all clean-shaven and acting professionally, even reasonably, under the circumstances. Could we have had it wrong? Did I have it wrong? Was there even a ship here? We hadn't seen one yet. Perhaps the cadre had taken steps to throw blame on another vessel. That would be a smart move. If anyone ever did get close, like we hoped we were doing now, it would lead them down a blind alley. The Hydox umbilical tubes were articulated and designed for extended use over time. Loading and personnel hatches here were not lined up with the station center, but rather along the inside rims of the hub on both port and starboard. Even barrel-like stations were technically space vessels and therefore assigned sides. This would have been visible on our approach to the station had we been looking at a sensor feed instead of the murky interior of a packing crate. The car was rolling toward a tension strut that rose high off the deck at a steep angle, looking like it could topple any moment. It couldn't, but it had the effect of turning this section of the lane into an underpass. As we approached it, Goda, with a grave expression, gestured to one of the men in back who'd captured us, as if he had something important to say. He motioned to Chicharron, too, and the three of them leaned into a huddle to whisper. Even as close as I was, I couldn't hear what was said, but as we passed under the strut, it must have been quite shocking, because the crewman gasped. Or maybe that was from whatever Goda had slipped into the man's armpit. Chicharron sat up with the guy's sidearm and squeezed off several shots, fast and ratchety. Pop, pop, pop. These were anti-purse rounds, designed not to penetrate space station walls, only people, a thing they did quite well. The other guard in back with us had been watching the surreptitious conversation and grew a hole in the side of his face just above one cheekbone, while simultaneously flopping over to one side like a soggy towel. Chicharron swiveled as simply as if adjusting his seat. Pop! The driver tipped ahead, forehead smacking the dash before toppling right out of the roller entirely. Pop, pop! The guy riding shotgun was hit in the neck, but he still turned around, fumbling for his weapon. Pop! Chicharron put another into his left eye, and he stopped fumbling. I had jumped at the sound of the first bullet, and wasn't even done with that motion before it was all over. Four men dead, so smoothly and with such rapidity and ease, it was frankly unreal. Without someone in the driver's seat, the roller, never moving all that quickly to begin with, just eased to a stop. This was automatic, a safety feature. We were still under the strut and out of direct view from security sensors. Are you mad? I demanded, jumping out of the vehicle. We don't know who they are. They might not be our enemies. 
The patch on their right shoulders, Goda said, getting out. His knife was gone again. Indeed, I had never actually seen it. The weapon existed for only a blink, like an exotic fly, living, loving, dying in a moment of time, flashing, killing, hiding in hardly less than that. He grabbed Mr. Shotgun and pulled him over. The man's ruined eye seemed to stare at me, which was rude, so I ignored him. Goda straightened out his sleeve. Their uniforms were dark tan with black accents. Baggy and comfortable looking, something I wouldn't have minded wearing myself, if it didn't have to end in a scene like this. There was a fairly big patch by the shoulder. I'd noticed it when they had first arrived, but... In motion, it had just looked like a blue blotch on a black background, along with some gold ivy or other decoration. Now I could tell it was the silhouette of an imperial light coaster out in space. The gold ivy was a string of words in an elaborate script, low-speak and unfamiliar. The font caused a processing delay of the translation in my eye view. Waiting seemed impossible. I had to do something, something. I sub-vocalized a command for the ocular implants to record what I was seeing. How had I forgotten to do that up until now? Chicharron passed by, glancing at the patch. Eadoi Korizilov, he quoted as he ringed the car, confiscating the weapons and ammunition. Then he added his own version in English. The great love of Zilov. It appeared in my retinals just before he spoke, the translation coming in as Zilof's soulmate. It's from a classic tale over here, Goda put in. Zilof was a good and noble knight who faced great dangers for the sake of his lady love. Perhaps you can guess her name, Famo. I looked at the dead men around the car, one after the other. Ludvella. The other grunted with a nod, then waved for me to follow as he stalked off. Any AI tracking this car would be suspicious already, the other man said, and he tossed me one of the pistols. I dropped it. The patch is compelling, I said, scooping the weapon up and falling in between Goda and Chicharron. But it's not enough. How is it not enough? the first man demanded, leading us to a door off to one side that said, Emergency Exit, in low-speak block letters, but it was locked. On stations, nothing was an emergency until it was announced. Up to that moment, a door like this one was just part of the wall. Come on, that's a wired door. The AI just logged you trying the handle. It's not enough because if your child died because of a patch on their arm, you'd scream to high heaven that it wasn't enough. I don't have any children. My point exactly, I sputtered. My God, are you two just killers? Please tell me your skill sets include more than the use of fine cutlery and point-blank target shooting. Quiet, Famo, please. Right, right, because the gunshots were so hard to miss. I was scared. It was a delayed reaction. I stopped my rant in mid-breath. I had enough presence of mind for that much. Instead, shaking my head, I pointed to another door. It was almost like a broom closet, 
inset into the widest part of the strut, right at deck level. English words hovered in my eye view below those of the door. Electrical access. Authorized personnel only. This should be a ladder following power conduits. The door might be wired too, but if so, it'll probably just dump into a log report for the chief engineer of the station so maintenance and repair workers don't have to deal with security every two seconds. There may not be a chief engineer for this station right now, Chicharron offered, to no purpose I could understand. The door was also locked and had a small ident pad on it for workers to use palm prints or other biometrics to gain access. No keys or security badges to lose. If it's a ladder, where does it go? Gota asked, studying the wide avenue, before and behind us as he spoke, clearly expecting reinforcements at any moment. Things were quiet, though. Probably nowhere. Vacuum safety regs disallow pass-throughs and service tunnels from one level to another. If there's a blowout, you don't want to lose an entire level because some forgotten crawlspace has a bad seal. No, I want to climb this ladder and remove the knockout panel up there. I pointed to a square patch at the top of the arch strut, near the overhead some ten meters up. The patch was caution yellow in color and had some symbols on it I couldn't read. A power junction box of some sort was situated to one side of it. Across the width of the companionway, at the same level, was a decorative dark glass necklace of plates set in the bulkhead near the ceiling as it curved up and away with the hull shape of the small station. To what end? Gota queried, completely lost, but quite agitated. They'll be on this in a moment. No, they won't, I countered turning to study the biometric lock on the inset door. It was a simple thing, but I didn't know where to start. They may not have any idea yet what just happened, but even if they do, a light coaster of Latvella's make has a crew complement of 15. The patches prove that hands and an officer from the ship investigated the security breach we caused, not some legacy high dock personnel. That means they have this place to themselves, just like we thought, and it's running on automatic. You guys just killed a quarter of the ship's crew. Their mission is not to hold this station, so right now, they'll be warming up their ship for an emergency dust-off. I want to get a look at those shield glass hull plates up there. The coaster must be right outside, connected by the umbilical. If I can get one clear vid image, we have our proof, and we make our call. Ludvella will be destroyed and the cadre gets a piracy charge that can stick. The college, the emperor, they'll have to act then. Politics? Now? Chicharron asked, sounding fully disgusted to my ears. Dead men at our feet, the enemy fleeing, and you talk of making complaints to the college of families? His round features showed what he thought of that, and of me just then, with heavy brows pinched, in a sickle-shaped curve where his mouth had been. Especially now. What do you think war is? I demanded. It might be personal to people like us, but not to the decision-makers. It's about position to them. Advantage, money, domination. People like us? You are not like us, Fommel. And I'm not climbing a ladder right now either, I snapped. I need this door open. A sudden stab of class consciousness and solidarity seemed way out of place and especially ill-timed. 
He was a vigorous man, both in aspect and temperament, and had displayed steely nerves. So I knew it wasn't an adrenaline comedown that had brought on this lash of pique. Or maybe there wasn't any anger on his part at all, and he was merely voicing the obvious in terms as vigorous and forthright as always. Maybe he'd struck a nerve because it was getting harder and harder to pretend I was still the man I always thought I was. A worker, a spacer, an ordinary, inoffensive sort of fellow, taken as a whole. Not some shiftless wanderer, and certainly not a member of the dangerously self-possessed elite all caught up in his drama, poisoning an entire region of space with bloody undertakings. No, other people did things like that, actions and behaviors that had filled me to the brim, to the overflowing with bile and hate for the deep-seated cancer of their privilege and ambition. Not me! In response to the implied order... Goda turned and stalked over to one of the dead men, who, I noticed for the first time, had bars on his sleeves denoting an officer's rank. No station personnel meant that all authorizations were now keyed to the ship's crew, and especially with the officers. Snicker-snack went my companion's little vorpal blade, and back it went into its hiding place, though I still hadn't seen it. He rose, wearing a grim look on his face. The officer's head had one, too. Oh, God, I muttered, watching him bring the dripping trophy, his hands sandwiching it between them. Blood ran freely, leaving a crimson streak on the deck. He held the thing right to the scanner plate, and the lock looked for retinal patterns, DNA markers, and body warmth, of which it still had enough. The door popped open with a metallic sound, and he dropped the head with a dull, hollow one. You are a decision-maker, Famo, he said calmly, motioning toward the ladder beyond the door. It is why we are here, and this is what your decisions look like to us. He was too heavy to drag over, I demanded harshly, turning sideways to fit through the small service door and start on the rungs. I should strain my back for this, he called from behind. It was cramped in there and awkward and hard to breathe, but I climbed. This had been an order to them to get me in here. It was dark, but I opened the infrared filter on my retinals and the inside of the tube turned a watery red, with the cooler metal of the pillar a deep brown. It would probably give me a headache. The panel I was looking to open was about 10 or 12 meters up. If the ladder had been out in the open, I might have been scared. As it was, it was just a hard climb, and there wasn't even room enough to look back down. I'd honestly thought these two liked me, but I saw then that I was and always would be a dilettante in their eyes. Not a soldier, not a man of action, and certainly not anyone worth their respect. Maybe the entire squad felt that way, and why not? Once again, and just like always, a nobleman rolled in on them, barked orders, and had gotten people killed. 
From their point of view, it was just business as usual. I'm doing this for the sake of your family, I spoke when I was halfway up. Goda was away from the door below, but not far, and he stepped in again. Did you speak, Famo? I repeated what I said, sounding peevish in the muted echo inside the pillar. My wife and children thank you, came his plain reply. You know what I mean. They killed the Kamo. These men here? Well, not them specifically, but... He's dead all the same. Yes, I see, Famo. These men who never harmed the Kamo, nor met him, nor possibly even heard of him, they are responsible for his death. Others are to blame, but these men paid for it. Nothing could be more normal. I wanted to stop, because the rungs were hurting my hands, and because I wanted to argue with him. To stand still, there in that ridiculous place, and make my pitch. They had to understand me. They needed to know and agree. But Ludvella was getting away. I resisted both temptations, and instead continued up, muttering, A fine time you fellas picked, to be honest. It must be a fine time, Famo, because you are acting like we have plenty of it, Chicharron put in from below. He'd moved over to listen at some point. In about a minute more, I finally reached the panel. In the dim reds and browns of my eye view, I could see the latch on the inside, which would disengage it. I called for them to watch their heads, then flipped the handle and slapped the little hatch with the flat of my hand several times. It dropped and hit the deck with a distant clatter. I was a long way up. Directly across from me were the shield glass windows. Beyond them, open space. Shield glass, despite its name and appearance, was really a type of metal. Only slightly inferior to common polinium regarding strength and radiation resistance, it was better in hardness. Shield glass, purified to the point of transparency, was much more expensive to produce in quantity than most metals. It was used in the odd passenger liner viewport, in expensive storefronts, and in rugged digital displays for field-ready electronic devices. It was a showy design touch of this place, certainly. Right then, the windows afforded me a view of a long, ram-straight umbilical passway. It was narrow in comparison to the kind you'd find on large colony stations, but more than adequate for the traffic a place like this would normally see. From my angle, it stretched up and ended at the hull of a wide space vessel. I cursed aloud. Troubles, Famo? Goda asked leisurely from far below. It must be to starboard. This is the cargo shuttle. I can't see Ludvella, not from here. Perhaps it's not really there. Perhaps you're being antagonizing for a reason. Would you care to elaborate? Oh, I'd never presume to. I've had enough, I interrupted not looking down at them ten meters below, but raising my voice so they could hear, even as I went back in and began descending. If you're looking to learn the limits of my tolerance, you're getting close. I've risked my life in this struggle, for your noble family, not mine. Apparently that buys me nothing. 
I'm just like all the others to you. I thought I was different. I still do. But you two have other views you'd like me to consider. So out with it. We have to leave, and I mean now. But you can talk while I climb down. I was feeling less happy than I'd been in months. This was going sideways, suddenly and completely. I didn't know why these men were acting like this. Not rebellious, not treasonous, but with a surliness that others of my rank would have considered corrosive to the social order. I moved down one rung at a time, a heartbeat or five between each step. We needed to leave, but I did not need to fall. One step, breathe, hold on, hold on, breathe, one step. The others were silent, my rant having seemingly cemented their mouths. Step, hold, breathe, down. How to proceed came to me during this and I ruminated silently for a solid minute of intermittent ladder work. At the bottom, I ducked and squeezed out. Airlock, I said. Chicharron consulted his handheld comm device for a moment, then indicated past this strut with a chopping motion. We set off. It's about the crewman who found us, right? I queried quietly, almost idly. <laughs> The perception of our betters, Goda harumphed. Do you know what those soldiers you killed, those crewmen from Lidvella, actually did? Treat us with natural suspicion but clear respect, he answered forcefully. I was hating him then. More than that and you know it, I stabbed. They followed orders, Chicharon stated plainly. He was leading us and pointed to a sign far ahead showing an upright, rounded rectangle, white on blue, that was the universal symbol for an airlock. It had an arrow pointing down a side companionway. They were murderers, I emphasized, walking on without pause. Without any provocation, they killed. And they tried to kill your Kamatosa, her children, me. Horrific and disgusting, Goda agreed, noncommittedly. They were bad men, I cried, this apparent obtuseness beginning to feel very much like a passive-aggressive attack on my character. They did bad things, Chicharron corrected. It's not the same. This is the soldier's dilemma, Famo, his compatriot explained. You follow orders and do what must be done, but you must not become what you do or else you're a monster. I've met monsters in uniforms before. Which only proves my point. I don't see how, I replied, baffled by his alien and alienating logic. It would be a shock if you did, Goda pronounced flatly, taking the lead as we came up on the corridor under the sign. We were only a few paces into that companionway when there was a bright flash of orange light from behind. Then we were rocked off our feet. Lifted up and over, I met the narrow walkway's bulkhead faster than thought, bathed in a noise like the end of all things.
You have been listening to All He Surveys, Volume 1, a Star Drifter novel written and read by David Collins Rivera. This story is copyright 2022 by David Collins Rivera and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on SoundCloud.com. The All He Surveys theme is a piece called Blossom by Edward Maloff and is licensed through TribeOfNoise.com. This story is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person living or dead nor any particular place or situation. Any similarities to such are purely coincidental. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. You can also check out my site, davidcollinsrivera.com, where you'll find everything Star Drifter, including more audio novels and stories, the Star Drifter tabletop role-playing game, podcasts, newsletters, and more. Stop by, won't you, and drop me a line. Thank you for listening. Take care.